Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How you doing today? This is Joe Gallina with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics and we're here to intellectually think about what we believe and what worldview do we stand on as we weigh out truth with history, science, archaeology, and philosophy. And as we look at the reality around us, does our worldview hold up? Does it make sense? So today our topic will be about salvation. Why did God choose to die on a cross? Why was it spilt blood that had to take place? Why were there so many sacrifices in the Bible? And why have to spend on judgment eternally separated from God? And so we will try to answer these questions as we move along here. Now, our topic today, how the Christian God gave mankind... A plan. The only plan to save individuals who have sinned against a holy God, a just God, and a Savior. Now, salvation plays out in this life and in all eternity. Now, is it real and true? Does a creator make us with values and then those values cannot go unchecked? Every violation against his courts of justice will be determined innocent or guilty. There are no words or deeds that will not be considered as a violation against the higher courts of the moral and just law of the Christian God. Each individual will be responsible for his or her own life, whether rich or poor, strong or weak, sickness or in health, Did you wrong your neighbor and think you will hide it from the eyes of mankind? Yet society, kings, governments, and every iota will be judged by a righteous judge, namely Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. What about this monotheistic God that Christianity unfolds? Personal, powerful, mindful, and full of love, and a perfect judge. What does salvation look like? Did he sacrifice himself for everything he caused? Was it his fault? His sin and somehow we were pushed into this dynamic world of evil? Does spilled blood of animals make our sins go away? How can someone pay for such egregious, flagrant 
sins of lying, cheating, stealing, raping, and murdering, and waving a fist against the very God who made them. As we look around, we see our lives as a movie. You have a cast around you with friends, family, and non-associates that play a role in your life. You can run, disperse, but eventually you have to make sense of everything around you. Your thoughts, feelings, emotions, senses, your ideals, your plans. It's not what you did with animals or what you did to climate change. Or the land you're living in. It's about you and your creator that will meet one day and every question will be answered that you ever wondered about so that you will be without excuse. You see, this ripple effects of your decisions alone can cause an avalanche of circumstances that affect everyone around you. Throughout the ages, you have heard about God's sacrifice, nihilism, selfish genes to die and never more breathe another breath, never more to think again. All the harm you did or those who took advantage of you are dead and gone. The raping of your sister by a stranger you never met, done, gone. The murder of your best friend, done. No more courts or justice to plead the cause. Maybe it's reincarnation is your cup of tea. To die and become a different life over and over. Who sets the ground rules and who sets the works for who you become or what you become? I mean, who makes that decision that you become a butterfly, a roach, a leaf? And do you ever attain perfection or not wanting desires anymore? And out of all the worldviews, Christianity makes the most sense of who we are as people with a will. And let's talk about salvation. The origins of salvation begins when man sins against God. Adam deliberately transgressed against God. And we read this in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin... So death spread to all men because all sinned. This is where we get the doctrine that sin has went to all men because of one man. That this Adam is the government of all people. And so whatever happened to Adam, that cause and effect now flows through his very being of who he is. And his nature is against God. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 15.22 For as in Adam... All die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. God had told Adam and Eve, if you choose to disobey, you will surely die. And it tells us this in Genesis 2.17. But of the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. All this points not only did man die a physical death, but spiritually man became separated from God. It tells us in Ephesians 2, 1 that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air. That's talking about the devil. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. 
among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. So already when that decision came that Adam would fall away from God, that he would rebel from God, that we actually became the children of wrath. And we'll figure out why as we go along here. But I want you to consider this. The very creator who will satisfy you in your life, your longings, your desires, is all taken away. To adapt to this emptiness of emotions and desire that cannot be quenched, you will find other things to appease you. You will make a God that is similar to him. Something or someone will be worshipped as God. Whether this is another form of religion, a man or a woman in your life, maybe possessions like material things, or even your work. But you or your group or people will decide what is right and what is wrong. In your mind, this will take the place of God's commandments in your life. Physical death brought pain, suffering, disease, what the Christian calls a fallen world or a fallen creation. You see, this world is broken. We cannot sense the magnitude of that weight, the value, and destruction sin had caused. It compares in Romans 8 when sin is dealt with and what creation will look like. It tells us in Romans 8.21, as it begins to talk about creation, how it looked like after sin hit the world. It tells us this, that the creation itself will be set free Set free from what? From its bondage to corruption, to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. So here God is telling us, that all of creation is in conflict and groaning. And the analogy used is a woman's pregnancy on her third trimester. And they're groaning and moaning to become new once again. To get rid of sin that even not just mankind, but the whole earth is groaning to be good again. To be perfect once again. This is where it gets interesting. We find very early on God wants to reconcile the world to himself, to bring restitution. And we see this in Acts 3.20, And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world begun. Reconciling the world. This is the question. What does sin, the sacrifice, the cross, the God-man, the blood, heaven and hell have to do with me and you? Why did Jesus want to reconcile the world to himself? Now it tells us this in Colossians 1.20. That Jesus reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled 
in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I want to start off by saying there are many things we would not know unless God revealed it to us. A revelatory message God has written down for his creation for his purposes. All mankind, including yourself, doesn't, does not recognize the weight of your personhood. Let me say that again. All mankind, including you, you do not recognize the weight of your personhood. The glory that God has made you like no other creature on earth. We take this for granted. The scientist, the atheist, the skeptic, and mankind do not recognize the value, the worth humans have living here on a small speck of planet we call Earth. Well, we'll talk more about this on the second half as we talk about salvation and why did God have to die on a cross and spill blood and become a God-man for me and you. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we'll see you in the second half. Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85 percent of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona, on K-Praise. And so as we come to this second part, I'm glad you can be here with us. Salvation, and why did God have to die on a cross and spill blood and become a God-man for me and you? To know beauty, justice, worth, and dignity... To be able to know we are happy, sad, distressed, and at peace, and to really think about it, to actually comprehend violence, rape, and murder, to understand that we know how to create, paint, to do poetry, to have a conscience that confirms lying, cheating, stealing, and coveting is wrong. This personhood is called the Imago Dei, made in the image of God. You see, it tells us in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And although we take this for granted, The God who created you has given you sovereign rights, inalienable rights, and this is the will of a man to be able to choose. I want you to think about this, though. The price for every single individual made in the image of God is that every word and deed you will be held accountable 
The ripple effect of our actions will be, affect the earth, the people around us, as we groan to be reconciled to our Creator, the Christian God. Now the price for our actions made in the image of God is huge, incomprehensible, unfathomable. The weight for our sin is eternal consequences. You see, we are made as eternal creatures, and the payment is eternal. About now, you're saying, this is ridiculous. I know. It sounds crazy. That's because you don't realize you took on the image of God's likeness. The weight of a just and perfect God is to judge you righteously as an eternal creature who is without excuse. The price for each individual who has sinned is eternal. Eternal consequences. Now what this entails is in order to pay the heavenly justice court of Almighty God for violating the judicial system of God, the price is death. That is, the price for you and me sinning against a holy God made in His image. In order for God to reconcile you and me to pay the debt, the debt of the crime has to be paid in full. That is true justice, right? And this blows our mind. The individual human must be pure, holy, and without sin, perfect in righteousness. What I'm saying is, the only person that can reconcile us to God is a human being. And that individual, that human being, must be pure, holy, without sin, and perfect in righteousness. This is why, ultimately, there is only two choices. Every single individual made in the image of God is to live with Jesus for all eternity or without Him. The conflict is to live truly without God, is to live in outer darkness. No light, no goodness, and evil all around for all eternity. This is the eternal consequences. Or, to live with God is to be reconciled to Him, to be made a new person in Christ, and to enjoy the benefits of living in the light. This is what some of the things God did through Jesus Christ to reconcile us to Him. It tells us this in Revelations 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, we now have to establish to pay the price, the person must be without sin, 
righteous standing with God. The price is blood spilt. It tells us this in Leviticus in the Old Testament. The life is in the blood. For the life of the flesh is the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And so in Leviticus 17.11, we find out that blood must be spilled. That's why in the Old Testament, they had to use animals for sacrifice. But it wasn't a done deal because that was just temporary. A shadow of things to come because ultimately we needed a human being. It goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus as an innocent man died as a curse for us. It tells us that in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And we know that because it tells us that in Deuteronomy 21.22. And if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. Because cursed is a man who is hung on a tree. And then we know that in John 3.14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So we find out there was a reason that Jesus had to be the God-man, because he had to come down and be without sin. It tells us in 1 Peter 2.24, Who his own self bare our sins in his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. And then it's the blood in Ephesians 1 7, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And it goes on to tell us that the curse in Isaiah 53.10, Yes, it was the will of God to crush Jesus. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. And lastly, lifted up on the cross, Ephesians 2.16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain enmity thereby. And so here we see that God makes atonement for you and me. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we were healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all, that Jesus Christ would come down 
and pay the price of salvation and there was a purpose and reasoning for how he had to fulfill the commitments to reconcile the world to himself. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics and we'll see you next week. That's a take and this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise.